0: Welcome to this episode of the Artist of Motion Podcast. I am here with John rodriguez Hanchi from CebuCon Jiu-Jitsu out of Contra Costa Budokan. How are you today, sir? Nice I'm, to meet you. I'm doing well,
1: thank you. In the
0: podcast format, nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, so our first segment is typically around your background in martial arts. Mm-hmm. So whatever portion of your background you're comfortable sharing, right. let's give us your history. Yeah, sure. So, I
1: mean, I, I originally started to get into Eastern philosophy and I was doing a lot of work and I, and I was in, you know, in computers and I was doing a lot of work, doing a lot of work and I started getting East, Eastern philosophy and I realized that I was too caught up in my mind and I really wanted to get more active with my with my body. So I started trying to figure out like, you know, what should I do? You know, like what what can I do? And my sister actually was in karate at the time and I was like, "Well, martial arts, you know, I always wanted to do martial arts, you know. I should do that." So I said, Hmm, but I knew enough that I seen like, I want to use other people's energy, like kind of against them. I didn't really necessarily want to be the aggressor, you know, and I started saying, okay, well, I think there's something like that. So I started looking into things and, and jujitsu came up like, oh, I'm going to try jujitsu, you know? So I started looking around and, you know, you see a couple different types of jujitsu come up. You know, I started to research a little bit about jujitsu and seeing that the origins were Japanese and stuff like that. So I started looking in that you saw, you saw, um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu out there as well. And I, I just kind of like looked at people's websites and got a kind of a vibe. And this the teacher that I ended up, you know, going with is, he was in Berkeley, the place I was working at the time. And he had this video and it's really cool. And I was like, oh, this is a lot of motion. It's very dynamic. I said, that's really cool. I wanted to check that out. So I like, you know, I called him and I was like, hey, I want to, you know, I want to try this out. He's like, oh, okay. You know, he, he's like, well, okay. So you want, you want to come in? I said, well, I see that you have three classes a night so, do I just pick which one I'm going to come to? <laughs> and he goes, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> do I? And I just pick one, right?" And he's like, "Well, no. People normally come to all three. And I'm like, "Oh man, I don't know if I got time for that, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's a nut. You know, I, I had a child when I was 19, so I was raising my my child, and I was, you know, in you know with my with my wife now, but we, we were dating back then, and I was like, oh man, I don't know if I have time for all that." And he's just like, "Well, you know." People come in and they try it out and they kind of realize that it's something that fits into their life and that's important to them and they figure out how to make time so i'm like hmm i like how he said that okay let me go try it out you know what i mean so i went to went to try it out and i met one of my um really good friends like a brother right now his name is jason smith and i met him he was like black belt of the dojo right the senior student nice and he was just this you know this fiery Irish dude who just like to beat people up and have a lot of fun. And, um, so he really got, you know, I really started hanging out with him and really got me inspired. We used to really have fun and really, you know, go at each other pretty hard. And, and I just kind of made a decision. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, I like this. I'm going to do this for a while. So I just kind of readjusted my life and fit this in my schedule. And, and I've been just training ever since. So I started to I started in Sebu Jiu Jitsu and I started to understand it and train with it and probably when I was about you know, actually when I was a yellow belt, I started going down and seeing Concho, which is the founder, in, in Monterey. And I started to train with him and then they had a big group of Uchideshi students, were all young guys and they were all into it and and so I started just hanging out with them, getting to know them and and really playing with them and, and having fun. And then so I just like started to like really enjoy going there so then I was like man I really want to be an Uchideshi with these guys and what Uchideshi means like you know like inside student like you're close to the to the to the your sensei and you're really you know getting a lot of that knowledge and you're committing to be to commit to a like structure you're committing to a certain program with them that they're that they're doing and my and conchos were always really cool you know so I was like man I, I really like this guy you know he would look at you in the eyes he, he was very dynamic, he was very charismatic, and he, and he, act, he, he seemed to me at the time, like, he, oh, this is a good guy, and he, liked to, and he really cares. And obviously, I still think that way, but he really just portrayed that, and I said, wow, this is someone I wanna really kinda hang out with. So I was trying to figure out, okay, well, how am I gonna do this? Like, so I've been training probably a good year or so after that point, I'm like, well, how am I gonna do this? Because that's in Monterey. I live out here in the, in the Bay Area, and I'm going to the school in Berkeley, I was like, man, I really want to do it. So I started f- trying to figure out if I could just commute and do it and try to figure Holy out.
2: Holy
1: cow. Yeah. And I was like, well, no, that's never going to happen. So I was like, okay. So, you know, I, I started to say, okay, well, wh- what am I going to do? I'm going to start going down there every Friday. So every Friday I would kind of like work from home and I would start to take off during the afternoon. And I would drive down there. So Friday I would go down. And there was three classes. There was three different um, arts that were teaching on Fridays. There was Seibukan Jiu Jitsu. There was um, Bato Jitsu, Inshin Ituri Bato Jitsu, and Bujikan Budotai Jitsu. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna check those out. So I went down there every Friday and I trained in those three arts. Then I would stay overnight at my friend's house in Salinas. And then I would go the next morning, because he had class the next morning. I would train in that class the next morning. Then I would take, I would drive from from Monterey and drive up to Berkeley and do a two hour class there. Then I would shoot after that class over to San Francisco and do a Bata Jitsu class in San Francisco, and then I would come home.
0: All while you're working with the kid. Yeah,
1: yeah. Holy so, cow. so my Friday through Saturday was really interesting, you know. It was just <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of martial arts, a lot of driving, a lot of hanging out. It was actually really fun, and I'm glad, I'm glad I kind of like experienced that. Um, and then I, I did that for about a year, and then after that year, um, I actually got, I actually got laid off from my job. And at that time I was like, Hmm. So I like got my, got my wife. And we popped a bottle of champagne and I said, new beginnings, let's go. You know, I said, Hey, I'm probably going to go down and be in Uchideshi for a little while. Just see how it's like, I'll figure everything else out. You know, so it's like, okay. I said, well, I'll just, you know, I'll see if I can make it for a few months and we'll see what happens, you know, then I'll, so I went down there for a couple of months and then a couple months turned into 6 months and 6 months turned into a year and I did my uchideshi time and uh, being in uchideshi was a really really good experience for me it really gave me a time to focus on myself really develop my myself you know i think as as you know people we don't really necessarily give ourselves that time to kind of focus on something that's not like feeling of Producing like you're producing you have to produce something you have to go to school and you have to go to work And you have to you know to add that value. It's like I just wanted to work on myself And I think Uchideshi really gave me that time and, and obviously I had a great teacher Concho who kind of guided me through that and You know so Uchideshi life was you know you woke up in the morning You went in and trained and trained and trained to train, you met with other Uchideshi trained and then you would eat Then you would take a break and then you come all night and train, you know So it was a lot of training and a lot of fun a lot of self-discovery you know, a lot of um, growth for myself and to, and to kind of deal with my own personal things that I was dealing with within myself to truly try to find myself. So it really gave me that time to stress So I really enjoyed it. So after after kind of like my, my last month of Uchi Deshi and about, at about like, it was my last month and about two weeks into my last month, I came back up to where I live and I said, well, I'm going to start a dojo. So I rented this little small place and I started like, I ended Uchideshi on a Saturday, and on Monday, I, I already had my place open up wow. here. <laughs> yeah, so it was really interesting. And I started, and, you know, first there was no one, and then, you know, you have one student that kind of knew you from another place, he so, said, well, I'll come train with you. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I remember plenty of classes where I first started off, and it was just me in class. I would just try to make sure I was there. I'd do my kados, or I'll, or I'll practice motion, or do something other thing. And at the whole time, I would still go down, like, every... I believe it was every Thursday, I would still drive down to Monterey and and go train with Concho. That's a crazy commute. Yeah, exactly, so, but it was a lot of fun. You know, I I think that there was a point in my life I just wanted to feel like I was in control of my destiny. I was in control of what I wanted to do and it wasn't dictated. I think, you know, you feel dictated to a lot and you feel like you don't really know and life happening to you. And I really wanted to feel like life happening for me, so I really wanted to take some sort of control in designing my life. And I really started to do that, you know? So, and a lot of people were, you know, when I went to be in Uchi Deshi, a lot of people said to my wife, like, are you, what's going on? Are you guys like breaking up? What's going on? Like you guys, what's happening? You know, I mean, what, you're over here with the kids, you got a mortgage and he's over there in Monterey playing in his pajamas, (laughs) you know what I mean? She, and then, you know, it's interesting. My wife, I give her a lot of credit. You know, we've been together, you know, we've been together for 20 years, married a little 15 years, but she would tell people, she's like, well, did you ever have a dream? And they'd be like, someone will say yeah or no and they would be like well he's going to live his that's awesome you know and i was like this is why <laughs> you're awesome right so you know i think shout out to mrs rodriguez yeah exactly right so you know she's been with me for so long and i think that you know when you when you cultivate relationships like that you're you're in it with through the thick and thin and you kind of kind of learn to understand each other in a, in a level that people don't really understand you know unless you had that experience that's awesome and you know so so i it was fun to have to have that experience get supported and and then come and still get supported trying to create this martial arts studio, you know, and it wasn't like I was, you know, making minimum wage before I had a good earning before I even started all this. So, you know, I was, I was figuring it out, you know, and I was just fine, I was fine with doing a masogi, as I say, just stripping down to the basics and just kind of doing, going for my dream. So I kept building that dojo and it was very small. I mean, I had, it was a 600 square foot place had 400 square feet of mat, you know, like it was like if there was, you know, five, six adults, it was like, okay we're (laughs) kind of we're kind of of cramped here, you know, slight elbow here. Exactly. So it was it was fun. And it was it was about, you know, my goal was after a year, I want to be so crowded that I have to move, you know, and that's what happened after a year. We had to move and then we moved into our dojo now, which is eighteen hundred square feet, twelve hundred square feet mat. And it's a good size for us.
0: How long have you been here now? We've been in
1: this particular dojo 10 years. That's awesome. Yeah. So we had we had a lot of um, good people that came and into and, and training and, and I just kept training. So a part of being a Udeshi I didn't even mention is that me and Concho actually started tra- traveling and training all over the world, which was really cool. So like actually after I got there, I think like the next two months he's like, well, I'm going to Europe to meet these Hungarians. Who've been, who've been kind of training with me kind of over videos and conversations and they're kind of ready to do their, do kind of like their black belt based on these trainings I've seen. And, you know, I always have to be in person for any black belt damage. I wanna see what they're really about, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, so if you wanna go with me, we'll go. You know, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna to go to Switzerland, you know, I'm gonna do all this cool stuff. I'm like, yeah, sign me up, I'll figure it out. <laughs> You know, I'm going to travel with you and do martial arts around the world. Like, that sounds really cool. Yeah, no, I don't
0: want to do that. Yeah. Are you kidding?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we actually ended up doing that. And ever since we started that, we do that all the time. I travel all over the world with him and, and we, we trained other people. We trained with other other masters and grandmasters. And we just kind of, you know, played in martial arts, right? And had a lot of good fun and learned really cool things and, and discovered a lot of really cool people and had that kind of cultural experience that I think is really valuable for everyone, especially when you have martial arts, right? Martial arts is just like, you always find somebody somewhere that's a friend because you have this kind of, niching with each other about yeah, you all like
0: wearing pajamas and beating things up (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) pretty much right so we can can speak that language together at some point we're gonna get along (laughs) exactly exactly which was really cool because
1: there's a lot of times you're sitting there i remember when we first got to Hungary, right all these really cool people super excited and they were really good you know and you're like wow how do you get this good with the way you are and then i remember concho went in and had some private lessons with like the you know the um the owner and the and the and the son and the and the daughter, because the daughter was a translator, and he was doing prior lesson and so he goes, okay, Johnson, I want you to train these people and, you know, train them on some Kihon, and I'm like, okay. So I'm looking at them, and, like, I'm sitting in front of probably, like, 20 people, none of them speak English. Awesome. So I'm like... (laughs) Okay, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out, you know. Hopefully they
0: speak enough Japanese to follow
1: along. <laughs> right, but but so interesting about you know, you talk about body movement and, and body mechanics and, and motion. I mean you, you start to teach people through feeling and through things. So it, it gives you a dynamicness to your to what you're how you teach and what you're how you're thinking and what you're seeing and how you can portray things through your body that I thought was really a good experience for me. So, I really enjoyed that. And I ended up teaching with, with Christian, uh, who, who's a wrenchy down in the art. And he was a green belt at the time. And we just kind of tag teamed up there. He was my UK. And he's an awesome, awesome guy. And we had a really fun experience. So Shout out to Christian. Yeah, th- those were really cool. You know, other really cool things like the thing about Concho is he's very interesting because he just like will put you in a position where you're just like, okay. I'm, I guess I, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, you know, it was like, <laughs> I remember one time I was in Uchideshi and, and he calls me up. He's in Japan at the time, right? Cause he went over there. I think he, he had surgery on his elbow at the time. And he said, I'm going to go to Japan and get surgery. And then I'll be back in, you know, like a month or two. And I'm like, okay, no worries. I it's towards, towards, my, towards my end of my Uchideshi time. And so he had called me and he goes, oh, Johnson. And I'm like, yeah, yes. Concho, what's up? He's like, I forgot that I needed, I was going to, I had this, like, little seminar with these, with these girls, they're all, they're kind of 13, I always do it every time, they're, I mean, you're teaching them, you know, a little bit of self-defense, you know, take, at the time, Kitty and Christian had come over, and they were be they were Ujideshi's at the time, and he's like, can you go, you know, just kind of handle that, and I'm like, well, well okay, and I mean, do how deep do you want me, he's like, oh, you know, you want know, to teach them how to, you know, maintain their voice, and, you know, having good posture and structure and be confident and, use, you know, have some striking and stuff like that. And, you know, so I'm like, okay, you know, I can do that. So I go to this, I go to uh, this school where they were having these kids, these girls. And so it's me, Kitty, and Christian were sitting like on this lawn and there's this building and there's three floors and it's all like glass. And all of a sudden you see you the door opens, you see this girl, one girl starts walking out, then another girl. And then another girl. And literally, like, all three floors started just, like, filling up as they're coming down the stairs with just 13-year-old girls. It's like the Minions. Yeah. So, then all of a sudden, I'm standing there in front of, it was 70 13-year-old Holy girls. Cow. And I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's those moments that you, you, you kind of rise to. And you... And because you have people that are counting on you and and believe in you and support you in that belief, you, you come to rise to those occasions and do those kind of things. So we ended up teaching a really cool class. I used you Kitty and Christian, and then I like Kitty, like Kitty kind of do a hanker with us and we went attacking her. She did all this cool stuff to kind of get all the girls excited about how this girl could just kind of do all these cool things. And we had just we just had a really a cool blast with that. And, I, you know, I always remember that story because it, it's it's such the idea of just kind of. Letting your students rise to an occasion and putting them on the spot to to let them have that feeling. And, you know, that they know that you believe in them like I knew Concho believed in me and that belief propelled me into wanting to do those things and just like, okay, well then I'm gonna do it the best I can. And I think you learn after that is like, if you just show up and you show up and you do the best of who you are, that's what really matters. You know, that's what really matters in the end. You know, so often I personally I would always, you know, you're second guessing yourself, you feel not good enough, you don't know if you're gonna make it. You're just like, oh you have all these things that are just, you know, human nature you know I think it's just human nature to feel these insecurities and these these like I'm not perfect I'm not good enough oh, I'm not going to be it's not I'm not going to make it happen and you know it's like we forget that we're human beings and the part of being human being is showing up and doing the best of who you are in that moment no one's perfect it's not about being perfect it's about being you and the best of you in that moment and being fully engaged in that moment and I think that that's what I really started to to learn and enjoy and all these tools that I've gotten from Seyuken Jiu Jitsu that are, that are mental, that allow me to perform in, any, in anything that I do um, with, the, uh, with that confidence of I'm who I am and I'm going to be the best I can and I'm going to show up. You know, These are these mental concepts that, that we work on to try to understand different kind of energies that we work with within our own body. You know, and it's, and I always thought that, I mean, you see these things and, you know, you, you understand, like in CebuCon, we have different energy levels, right? And some martial martial arts do this as well, right? You have like, you know, we have fire, water, you know, earth, wind, and then we have void consciousness and balance. But in the energy levels, people, you know, some people, you know, are like, oh, what's this hokey energy stuff? But the reality is, is what it's doing to you is teaching you, like, we're going to box this energy into something that we can just look at. And just say okay well this energy of like taking initiative and being passionate and getting excited we're going to call that fire because i want to recognize it when it's happening to me so that i can i can just try to understand it a little bit more right and then we have this idea of like seeing these other ones like you know okay when i'm when i'm feeling relaxed and i'm going with the flow and and i feel connected and i'm feeling you know you know you know just you know, accepting of, of what is, this is this water energy. And I want to, I want to kind of box this in and kind of look at it to know that that's part of me too. So once you learn these things, what you're learning is that you can shift states because you say, this is a state of fire. This is the state of water. This is the state of earth. This is the state of wind. You can call whatever long as you, you try to box it in just so you can try to examine it a little bit. Then once you understand this, you know that what, what energy am I in and how can I shift my energy to something else that's serving me, right? Because we all know, like we can take an example of like, you know, someone is, is we're getting upset about something. Well, all of a sudden we can handle that in different ways. We can either get really um, upset and like, you know, angry and then we're passionate about why we're upset and we're yelling and we're, rah, 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 right? And there's all this kind of passion and that's really like this fire feeling, right? And then you're like, okay, what do what do I need to, to what do I need to shift my state to in order to to release some of this, this pressure, release these things. Well, I need to understand this idea of like maybe water because it's a contrasting principle, right? I need to understand, that, well, let me accept what's, what this is a little bit more. Let me take a little bit of flowing, what's happening and then adapt it to what's serving me and this person. Instead of feeling the conflictiveness of, of force against force, right? This idea of water being a non-resistant, the foundation of non-resistance, and how does that serve me in those times? So you really kind of take these things and you go through these these levels and you try to to hone in on this about yourself. And how are you processing this energy? How do you work with this energy? How are you able to switch your state? And you can you not only do this mentally, but you really do it physically. So you do it physically when you're practicing Seibuken Jiu-Jitsu, and then you also allow yourself to mentally new. So we, we try to connect the mind, body, and spirit. And I know that can sound cliche and esoteric and yada, 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 but it's the reality of it for me was that, that sometimes my mind wasn't there and my body got me there. And sometimes my body wasn't there and my mind got me there. And I created this symbiotic relationship that really raised my spirit of who I am. So that- Right, so that I know how to change, right? There's a really good behavioral scientist that, you know, she did a a wonderful TED talk and she was just about how you can take a certain posture and that changes your chemistry in your brain, Mm -hmm. right? So understanding this and knowing that, you know, these are the kind of things that we're helping people with as what we like to call modern day warriors, right? Not everyone who does martial arts does it for a sport to be in a ring to then go off and, you know, win a belt, right? That's not, I mean, mean, I'm not saying that that's not bad. That's great. I think people get a lot of value from that. Go for that. But not, there's not, everything is not like that for people. Like some people go in to find that confidence, to discover who they are, to really know that they're showing up when they need to be, and to know that they have a sense of confidence to physically protect themselves and mentally protect themselves right? There's a self defense means self. I have to take responsibility in my own, my own development, my own way to deal with situations. If you're just looking for a teacher to say, this is what to do. 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 You're, you're not really taking responsibility, right? The teacher is the one that's pointing at the moon. You're supposed to look, you know what I mean? Like, so, so the teacher's really there to guide you, but it's your journey. And I think that Contra really, really helped me understand that. And it's harder when we're young to understand that. I, I've noticed that. Like, he, w- he was, you know, he's obviously older than me, and I can see him when he would work with students that he would let their journey be their journey. And he would say something. He'd point things out. But you're going to listen to what you're listening to. And he would try to help you if you ask the question. If you didn't ask the question, it's your journey. You know, and I, for me, I really found that that's, that's a lot um I've noticed that with a lot of Japanese teachers, they're kind of having that, they have and a little older teachers as well. They kind of have that idea, like, this is your journey. Like, if you want to ask the question, you want to dig deep, let's go. If you want to be like here and you're, and you're just kind of picking up little things and you're smiling, okay, that's okay. That's you, let you be you, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. But now when I was younger, I wanted, you know, I'm, I hope I'm kind of still young, I guess. But when I was younger teaching, you know, I, I wanted that, you know, no, don't do it that way. Like, what are you doing? You're going to get, you know, that's no, you got to be like this and be like this. And, you know, you would try to force the issue a little bit and you realize that, you know, the forcing of issue is not really the motivation. Some people may see that, but that doesn't really create the kind of motivation that sustains, where people really like start to get that self discovery, get that self responsibility, start to look deeper within themselves to discover more and then use their resources to then grow. And that's what you're trying to teach people is how are you teaching yourself how to learn and grow and use the thing that is around you based on how confident you are that you're going to be able to grow. And I think that that when when we help students realize that, they actually grow in such a nice way for who they are and what they want to accomplish in their life. And we as teacher have to be okay with that.
0: Oh, I give you goosebumps. Right? Because it's awesome.
1: it's not really us to determine that you have to grow like that. Because then we're just being, you know, you know, robots and stuff. We're and telling
0: sh- you what to do, and right? not letting you your exactly. own exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And now, if they if they if they have discoveries and they ask the questions, then you're like, okay, cool. You know, I remember I used to I used to do all these private lessons with Concho all the time, right? Because I was I always knew that when I do private lessons with Concho and I ask the question. We go off on some crazy things. I Rabbit mean, oh, down yeah, it's yeah. so cool. I mean, when I was in Uchideshi, Deshi, I remember, like, I would ask him a question, like, at the end of the night, you know, granted, we trained all day long, right? All day long, all night long. We trained, train, train, And then we're sitting there, and I'll ask him a question, and we start talking about, you know, just, you know, body mechanics or philosophy. And we would just end up talking where we're like... Next thing we know, it's three o'clock in the morning and we're like, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta wake up tomorrow, we gotta teach class, you know? But it was so cool to have those experiences with a mentor and a teacher who, who holds space for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that as I go older, I learn, I try to, I learn, but I try to do, and I always say try because sometimes I fail. And I think that that's okay because we learn from that, those failures, is I try to hold space for students. I try to say, okay, how do you wanna grow and how can I help you with that growth? And you learn this by knowing that you have students to come in and you just like, you know, you're like, cool, this person is so excited. They're so cool and they're never going to leave. And then something happens in their life and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. And it's almost just like heartbreaking, you know, and you're, <laughs> yeah, you're like grieving. And you have to realize as a teacher that, you know, you're doing this from a selfless place and they got what they needed and that's OK. You know, and you have to be OK with they got what they needed you know, and they move away or something like that happens and that's okay. I, I have to let them go with love. You're like, Oh, I love you. Please move forward. You You're know? always
0: welcome back. Exactly. Please come back. I I understand if you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> so you know, that's so I that's what always, you know, gets the kick out of like teaching and watching those discoveries for people is they, they tend to they tend to have those like realizations. When I teach my when I teach I say, Look, I'm not here for you to like, you know, grab something that from me and say, okay, now I got it. I'm here f- to help you part the clouds and, and discover what's already in you. It's not for me to tell you what's in you. I just want to help you part some clouds that are blocking what you see in you. Nice. And how do we how do I help facilitate that? And now there's different supposed based on different approaches based on their type of mentality and who they are you know what I mean and and what you try to do is by when you learn these energies you try to understand okay what's their what's their kind of dominant energy what do they normally go with right you know some people are very you know I want to say maybe passive and when they're passive they there's some self-esteem issues there or there's some lack of confidence right so you you're okay with that but then you start to push them a little bit you start Mm -hmm. to push them a little bit so once you know once they understand that you really care for them and love them then you can start pushing a little bit you know, and then they go, okay, you know, and they start to find that power within themselves. And then there's some that are just so hard on themselves and you go up to them like, that was good. You did okay. You know what I'm saying? You're getting but, but, better. But,
2: but, but Yeah, but, 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 no, no,
1: yeah. that sucked. I can't believe I did like that. I would have totally got punched in the face right there. I said, yeah, you would have, but that's okay because now you see that and you're gonna keep growing from that. You did, you're learning something right now and that's okay right? So we, it's like, how do I take your, your conscious mind that you're so caught up with because you want to do so perfect that you don't let it go into your subconscious feelings, right? So, so allowing them to to hold that space for them. It's okay. You're in the dojo round now. You're just learning this. It's okay. You can, you can do that. Now there's going to come a time where you're going to, I'm going to expect you and you're going to expect your knowledge of yourself. And now I'm going to start pushing you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to start saying, okay, well, now the resistance is a little bit harder. The hits are coming a little bit faster. Let's let's see how you turn that switch on and trust in what you know, right? And I think that you learn to cultivate that with certain people in different ways. So I always like to train people as an individual, mm-hmm. not as you know. Uh, this is just a routine of how I teach people.
0: Yeah, people aren't are cookie-cutter carbon copies of each other. Everybody's exactly. different. Exactly.
1: So I, I like that, and I learned that from Concho too. Concho was really like that he really connected with each one of his, his students and try to help them learn the way they wanted to learn the way they wanted to learn he would point and then they would they would decide what they were going to take and what they were going to get and mm-hmm. i think he was okay with their personal journey because martial arts is that personal journey for you right so you know so we trained we we did a lot of training around the world i, I continue to train with him i killed continue to train with him still i met a lot of other really cool martial artists um i trained with the we trained with the grand master of um in Jitsu, which you know, Kancho was the first foreign student to to learn from that family, and we go train with them all the time in Japan. Really cool people. The dad was was the wasoke. Now the son has taken over as the soke. Um, we trained, you know, in Daito ryo Aiki Jiu-Jitsu in Japan with with Kondo Sensei. We trained with uh, Mishida Hatsumi Sensei with in in um, Ninjutsu Soke. And then I met a lot of really cool people. And what I when I When I meet people, it's interesting because, you know, when you meet foreigners in another country where you're training martial arts, like when I train in Japan, I meet foreigners who've been training for 30 years and they live in Japan. They have a Western mindset.
3: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: So when you have a Western mindset, the way you learn from them is more is kind of more conducive to your own mindset because we're Westerners, Mm -hmm. as opposed to sometimes the. Other the other um, culture is much different because they think differently. They they express things differently. So you kind of find people that you start to okay. I understand what you oh I see what you're doing and you're teaching in a way that I can consume. And then once you start to understand that, then you start seeing the invisible that you haven't seen before, mm-hmm. right? So which is really cool because I love that discovery. Like I think about Sabakan just as like my first language. You know, it's the way I translate things. So whenever I see other martial arts, I'm like, okay, and I translate it, and then it just strengthens my saber Kanjigit. So it strengthens what I do because, I, oh, that's what Kancho was doing the whole time. <laughs> and then I talk to him, like, were you doing it? He goes, oh, okay, now you're ready to see that. Let's talk about that. And I'm like, ah, I like you, <laughs> sticky, sticky. <laughs> <laughs> right? I like you, but it, it's cool because again, it's myself, my own self discovery. It's my journey. And I take personal responsibility in that and not give that necessarily away, but I know who are those teachers and who are my resources that I can lean on and have those really cool conversations with and we can go deep into that, into that rabbit hole or, or not even have a conversation. We just train. We mm-hmm. can just train hard and we, all of a sudden I'm seeing and feeling things that, I, that I've never felt or, or has felt in that way before. I'm like, oh, I, oh that's cool. I'm going to take that and, and start to incorporate that in my movement. Right, because we're talking about body mechanics and movement and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? So, so that all oh, that's been pretty cool. I know I kind of went off topic there, that yeah, was fantastic. You kidding me? Yeah. So, so yeah. So I mean, I continue to I continue to, tre- to teach. I continue to train. I always was a big believer in teaching is training, and that's how I cement more of what I understand. And I really like that about Sebu Kwan Jitsu because if you're a yellow belt, you start teaching the white belt, mm. right? And it's really so you start to cement and try to understand a little bit about what you're doing because now you have to convey it in a certain way
0: yeah a whole different ball game when you start trying to repeat that out and have somebody else understand it right totally different ball game
1: absolutely so and then you know as they everyone changes perspective they just get better and better at, at what they're doing and and that's great because that's growth you know i always watch concho and we go i go train with them and we'll be you know in switzerland or something and we'll be doing a key home. And all of a sudden, he's doing something different than I've never seen before. And I'm like, wow, is that my perspective? And I realized that not only is it my perspective, but he's still growing. Mm -hmm. And when you notice that, you're like, I'm in the right place. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be what a teacher says. This is exactly what you're doing. This is the only thing you're doing. They're not growing.
0: And yeah, they've been stagnant for the last thirty years. Exactly,
1: exactly. I want to see that growth, and you're like, "Wow, that's super cool!" And they start adding little things because they're growing, and Mm -hmm. and you start seeing different perspectives because you're growing, and then you're just leveling up in in in, and and leveling up's maybe not the good word, but you're leveling up in kind of like your your collective understanding of something that you're evolving. Yeah, it's yeah, evolution. Yeah, it's very. That's probably the better word. It's an evolution of it. And I think that's the way it is. I, I kinda joke with my students all the time. I say, look, if you think you got it, if you and then you're done, then you know what? I, if you're done growing, I got a shovel and some lime in the in the <laughs> trunk. I'll be more than happy to help you with that because that's not the reality of life. Life is growth.
0: Yep. Right is your body growth. is constantly changing.
1: You're
0: your changing. Brain is constantly
1: changing. Your mind's changing. Your 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 biology's changing. Like all this stuff is changing and you and it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, a lot of times we, we don't allow for human experience. We, we get caught up with, with black and white, it's this or that, you know, and especially when we're younger. But as you get older, I think we start to realize that it's, there's a gray. Mm-hmm. And in that gray is human
0: experience. Well, everything is defined, we try to do it like black, white, right, wrong. Yeah. But as you said, you can't make black, white without the gray in the middle. Right. You can't be right or wrong without defining both, which means you have to have middle ground.
1: Right, right. So we get out of that dualistic mindset as we start to get older and realize that, well, if one defines the other, then they have to be the same. Right? I mean, like, they have to be, they can't be different. If I need dark in order to understand light, well, then. same equation. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Then I need light to understand dark. Well, they can't be that. They can't be opposite, right? There has to be some sort of, you know, connection there. And and we get out of that dualistic mindset. We get out of seeing things as, you know, right and wrong or good or bad. It's how am I learning and growing from this experience? Who am I becoming because of this experience? How do I realize that this is happening for me so that I can grow and to become a better person, to become a person that I that I see that I wanna become and be okay with the fact that I you have faults or you've done things um, you know, as you move through it. And then you say, okay, well, that's who that's who I was. Who am I going to become because of it, right? And I think that we have to hold space as teachers for, for students like that. We have to hold space for our children like that. We have to hold space for people like that, you know? I mean, some people just, they get upset and they go off on tangents. And, you know, instead of fighting them, you have to just be like, oh, Okay, well, that's your experience right now. And that's uh, it's not my experience, but that's your experience. And maybe you grow from there if you want to have a conversation of growth, or maybe you don't. But I can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. And I, and I like to take that kind of responsibility. The same kind just to really talk about, you know, there's two types of people, right? And we say there's people that have problems, they complain and they blame. And there's another type of people that have solutions They appreciate and they take responsibility. And the reality is we all have that in us. But does one lead you to the other? When you start feeling a problem, do you search, okay, what's the solution here? Mm -hmm. When you start to feel yourself complaining, do you say, what can I appreciate here? When you feel yourself starting to, you know, blame someone else, how am I taking responsibility for this situation and using that to grow? Mm -hmm. You know, so all these things translate in how I man- I physically manifest when I'm doing martial arts because this is a physical manifestation of who I am
3: mm-hmm.
1: and that's really what I look at when I do martial arts so and I'm in a situation I'm not just like oh, oh I'm getting you know it's happening to me it's like okay this is all happening for me this is all just creating something really cool and I just stay with it and be engaged it's it's going to happen to what it needs to happen
3: mm. but
1: I show up I, I show up and I said let's go Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, I mean, I had this one experience uh, recently that I that I'd like to bring up because I think it's really important about how I see the world, and I think how Sevakinji sees the world. So so me and me and my wife and my girls we're we're gonna ride our bike on a Sunday. We ride to the dojo, we clean up the dojo, and then we're gonna ride back. And we're riding back, and we're going over this overpass. A very small sidewalk, and I and I'm ahead of the pack, and and I see this guy walking and. He looks okay he has a hoodie on he has a hoodie on he looks like he's maybe in his 50s 40s late 40s 50s big guy though. He's like 6'4 good build on him you know like okay he, but he starts to veer off like he's gonna let us pass so i'm like okay well no i'm thinking not, not really a threat but i'm gonna keep my awareness up so i'm riding past him just for a second as soon as i get past him he goes get the fuck out of my way and I go, whoop, I slam on my brakes, right, and I just kind of set my bike down because he's still walking toward my family.
0: Yeah, that ain't gonna happen.
1: Yeah, so so as he walks towards my, as, so I jump off the bike and I'm and I'm watching for a second. I'm seeing is he gonna? What is he doing? Because as I'm walking kind of slowly behind him, because this is gonna dictate really how I engage with him, what he does. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he stops, and then he just starts yelling, "Get the fuck out of my way!" Towards my family, and you can see my eight-year-old daughter, eight-year-old daughter just fear on her face mm-hmm. and she's trying to like move her bike into the street to, to like she's like freaking out and so I run up and the, and the you know obviously if he was moving forward towards him I probably would run up and do a lot of different things but he was he stopped so I run up and I just put my hand right out and right towards his face and I said oh you fucking talk to my daughter like that and I just start getting really loud with them and keeping my and keeping my distance and keeping my arm to control space. Mm-hmm and i'm telling you know i'm like going like this like telling my family to get around me so they so i'm yelling at him and he's starting to yell at me i'll steal your bike motherfucker da, da, da. but the whole time i'm just like keeping my my arm to control space and see okay what's going to happen and as they go by me and i'm i'm standing there i'm okay and i'm just like fully engaged i'm just like okay this is if this is going to happen this is going to happen right i'm like i'm ready to to make something happen but i'm holding in that space. I'm trying to ju- I'm trying to assess what is he really doing in because he, then he starts to like do this little like swing at me, but it's nothing threatening. It's just like he's, he's trying to hit my hand away, but my hands like fully extended into his face and I'm watching for, for this movement and I'm like, okay, he's doing that, but he's not really moving in. So he's, he's, but he's keeping his other hand like cock so I'm like okay he wants me to engage him because he's gonna like do this and then try to hit right. me the minute I move in so I'm judging on this so then my kids get past me and I tell my I tell my kids go just keep going keep going keep going I tell my wife get on the go and call the police you know I'm like trying to get them out of the situation and I'm holding my space and I'm just looking at him with all my come eye like they're like you ain't you're not getting by me and if you can do whatever you want but I'll go me I'm showing up mm-hmm. you know so I'm giving them all this energy and again, he doesn't really do anything to to move towards me. So, in a modern day kind of self defense, you understand that you know once you make a box, if, it's not until they enter your space and you feel like you're physically threatened right. that it, you actually have justifiable self defense. Right, when they, your immediate bodily threat—that's what mm-hmm. you have to feel. I didn't necessarily feel this. Now, I could probably, whatever, they probably would have said, yes, you, you, you know, no oh, one you would have. Yeah, yeah. You no, got a
0: defensive family. Yeah, yeah, no
1: one probably would have even questioned it. But, you know, I, I like to think about those things and also like to think about, you know, what, what is really happening here.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So then the guy, I'm sitting there just holding my space and telling him and yelling at him, to get the fuck away from me, get the fuck away from my family. You know, being really like stern and get out of here. So he ends up walking away. And I, and I watch him and I let him walk away, walk away, walk away. Then I turn, I get on my bike, and I go home. Me and my family are in our house. We have lunch, and that's the end of that story. Now, how many other ways could that story went? If I got How engaged- long we got. <laughs> exactly, right? So my goal was there, it's like, sure, I could have fully engaged and We could have gotten in a full-blown fight, right? Police could have got called. Maybe an ambulance gets called. What traumatic experience do I give my family at that moment? Right. For what reason? Because why? I wanted to prove how many black belts I got?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: No. I proved how many black belts I got by not engaging him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: By okay. holding my space and saying, I'm showing up, motherfucker. Like, you can do whatever you want, but we're gonna, I'm engaged. So if you want to go for it, let's go. If not, walk the fuck on. Right? And that's kind of the space that I needed to hold. And it turned out to be exactly what was needed. Mm-hmm. I only did what was needed. And I think that, that we lose that idea of only doing what's needed because we think we have to do so much more. Mm -hmm. And that would have really gotten me in a really weird situation and would have put my family in a weird situation. So this is why I train martial arts. Not so that I can, I can just jump on him and beat him up. Like, sure. I could probably have done that. We could have got engaged. I could probably have done whatever, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. Guy could add a weapon. I have no idea. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. Guy could have had a weapon. I could have got, you know, stabbed. He could have got stabbed. We could have, you know, could have been crazy for my family. But the reality is he walked away. I walked away. No one got hurt. And we went home and had lunch and yeah, played and Monopoly. you get to keep spending the time <laughs> with your family. Exactly. We played Monopoly. Like, to me, that was like a perfect example of why I've trained mm-hmm. so many years. Not so that so that I can just jump in there right away and start beating the shit out of them. It's so that I felt confident enough to hold my space and ready to go at any moment. Yep. That's why I think people, people train in martial arts when we're doing what we're talking about in self-defense. Now, granted, every other thing is, is really cool too. If you have something that you love to do, be an artist of it. Engage it fully with, with, all, with everything in that moment because when it comes down to it, that's what it is. It's that moment, right? It was that moment for me and that person and I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm not thinking about that. I'm not creating these false ideas like, well, I'm just going to beat this guy. I'm like, I'm here. He's there. I'm prepared. And I'm going to do whatever it takes, because I will show up. And that's what that's the kind of confidence that I think people are looking for, not to just be like, oh, I know I can beat him. You don't know shit. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to show up. That's what I know. I know I'm going home safe. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of the kind of confidence I want to have in myself that mm-hmm. I'm going to go home safe whatever that means.
0: Yeah, whether you go home safe is a matter of your choices. But yeah. I'm going home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, it was
1: just an interesting experience that I had that I thought was was kind of like, yes, this is this is why because I didn't want my kids to have this traumatic experience. I didn't need a traumatic experience. I don't want this guy to have a traumatic experience. Now, Sure, I'm going to call the police and tell there's some guy doing this stuff because someone should, he, he obviously has some mental issues, but that's another thing. Do I get engaged with someone that has a, a mental problem? Then how, who am I?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? At that point, just someone beats up someone who has a mental issue, and again, like I don't know. Maybe he has a gun. Maybe he has a knife. You know what I mean? Who knows what happens at that point? But these are the reasons why I train. These are the reasons why I teach people this kind of idea. It's having that confidence to show up when you need to show up no matter if it's physical altercation or you're at work and you, and you have to present something or you have to go do something, or you have to talk to somebody. Be that light that shows up and says, I'm a human and I'm doing the best I can.
0: And always being willing to learn and grow and Absolutely. keep progressing forward. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, just to touch back on a couple of points, yeah. I love how much you've taken from your studies so far To clarify for our listening audience that may have, you know, haven't looked at your website yet, which we're going to plug later anyway, (laughs) what have you specifically trained in? You mentioned Sebu Jiu-Jitsu a couple of times, and Mm -hmm. I know, so for our listening audience out there, John is our senpai in Sebu Jiu-Jitsu. He is the highest ranked student under Kanji jiu at the moment. Mm -hmm. He's the only only Judon as far as I'm aware, at the moment, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. What else have you trained in on top of that? So I
1: trained in, in Seivakon I trained in Batsu Jitsu, Inchinitori Batsu Jitsu, was just about the, the samurai sword, we trained in that tonight. That was fun. And then I trained in Bujinkan Budo Tai Jitsu, which is like ninjutsu, which there's a lot of, we could talk a lot about about that, but there's some, some really cool, interesting things in there. And then there's some weird shit that people do. So, but you know what I mean? It's like anything, right? I mean, you, f- you, you. F- you find what you find. We trained in um, Daitori IQ Jiu Jitsu with, with Kondo Sensei. We train in, I mean, I train in any martial art that wants to show up. I train with, with a guy who, who um, is really cool. He's all about biomechanics, bio and he, he will go into to any, any dojo, and he'll say, show me what you got, and we'll start talking about biomechanically how is that affecting the person's body how are you doing it with your body what are you creating what kind of force do you create what kind of what kind of way do you do you compromise someone's structure so they can't have force you know all those kind of stuff so that's really cool we we have i have a gun teacher that i've trained with for for a while he's really fun really interesting guy um, that does really cool things um so those are pretty much kind of the stuff that I've trained with. And anyone else that wants to train anything, we kind of like, okay, let's train. You know, my nice. sister's a third don in karate, so we do, some of, we do some of that if she wants to train. So she's always the one I'm like, okay, go try to hit me. You nice. know what I mean? Because <laughs> I know she not, she's not messing around. Yeah, she's not going to pull it either. Yeah. yeah, exactly. First is my sister because she really wants to kids. We have this brother-sister thing. And second is like she, she understands, right, when you're, you're only as good as the person that's trying to strike you. Mm-hmm. or trying to attack you right and that's why i have to tell my students because i'm like look you guys are all nice people but nice people aren't attacking people mm-hmm. out there so you got to be not a nice person for the person that you're working with yeah it's like it's, you,
0: it's this weird phenomena too it's like Inherently, the, the people who I've had experience with to train martial arts, we're inherently good people. Yeah. And you have to train them to be thugs so that you can <laughs> model something that they're actually going to see on the street. Exactly. And this is weird dichotomy. It's like you just don't think about that outside the martial arts. Right. It's like I would never want to go be a thug. Right. I would never want to be the jerk that's going to go pick the fight. Yeah. But I have to on the mat or somebody's not going to get the lesson. Right. Right. And just teaching people to embody that is, I think that's harder than teaching the martial arts half the time.
1: I I agree with you. It's very hard. I mean, you, because it's interesting because first of all, your senior students, they have to create an environment that's welcoming. Mm -hmm. They have to create an environment that holds space for people to learn, Mm -hmm. but they also have to create an environment where as you grow, we call it like the resistance ladder. Your resistance starts hitting the the strikes getting harder the you know your pauses hurt a lot more if you're Mm -hmm. trying to do something anytime you try to oh try to think through something boom you're getting tagged because you shouldn't be thinking yeah we don't teach
0: people face block but every now and then they're in anyway yeah exactly
1: right so (laughs) you know and and it's it's really interesting because it's kind of hard to create an environment like that sometimes because of what we're talking about it's like people really start to get to know each other and really like each other and then until you flip that set that you know that mindset and says i'm doing this because i love you because i like you because i want you to to be able to progress and move forward you know those are the kind of things that that i think senior students start to start struggling with when they're working with younger students now if you it's really cool when you come up with certain people you know, because you're kind of at the same level, and you really start pushing each other in that mm-hmm. way. I think that's always really fun when you come up with certain people, and you have that kind of that kind of um, camaraderie and then camaraderie, and that you go off on each other a little bit. You know, and yeah, you go working on each other, you can
0: yeah, hear each other. Yeah, it's exactly. It goes up to eleven.
1: Exactly, just a little bit. Exactly, and but they have a hard time with the with the younger students. They're either way too hard on them, at the beginning, or they don't know when to turn on how to be harder, mm-hmm. right, and be a little bit more. You know, hey, you're doing martial arts here. Remember that. You're like, right. we're not we're not in a ballet class. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> here comes that fist. You know, <laughs> um, so I you know I think that's the that's the dynamic of a of a dojo. I always, whenever I see people being nice and having a good time, that's fun. But then I always say, okay, that's great, but let's not be in dojo land either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, understand who you're dealing with. If they get in the movement and they're just getting it, well then push the level, like keep pushing it. This is what I kind of like about when we, um, we take someone and we teach them how to do ukemi, right? So ukemi is is this, idea of, you know, um, receiving and moving, right? It's, I think about it as like, you know, if you, if you break a kamae, what's your goal? Get back into your kamae. Well, you're going to use ukemi to do this, right? So in ukemi, we, we force people to take better ukemi because we keep pushing the pressure, And they have to move their body really quickly to protect themselves. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And that to me is like once you understand that and once you get really good at that, that's all you're ever doing. Like all I think I ever do is just take ukemi on how you react to what I'm doing to you. Mm. So that I'm consistently just responding to your movement. So if I do something and you react a certain way, I'm just going to take ukemi and respond to that movement in a way. So I'm always listening with my body to how you move based on what I'm doing. Now, I can start to dictate that movement by putting you in different positional ways, right? Like deconstruct your spine a little bit or compress your spine. Or, you know, put you in a way where your your hips are really locked or you're weighted on a specific leg. Well, then that's going to force you to move in a certain direction. So I'm already kind of baiting you to move a certain way, which kind of makes it easy. But it becomes... A lot more of a feeling-based and a thought-based thing. You right. know, you feel those things instead of thinking. Thinking is too, too, too slow. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I, I have a really funny experience, and not to—I don't want to try to like you know—I'm trying to be humble about. It. I'm not a glow about, it, but it was very interesting. So I had this guy. I'm actually, we're actually in a movie called um, Dogtown Redemption, and it's about this guy who who was lived in Oakland. He was he was homeless. He had a he had a big problem with heroin, and he recycled, and that's how he kind of lived his life, and he kind of just that's what he wanted to do. Well, one day he, this guy starts showing up in the dojo, and he, he's just sitting there, he's really respectful, of watching, and you know he started coming in first in the juniors classes, and kind of staying for the adults classes, and you know some of the moms were like, this dude, and he would come in, and he had you know nunchucks in his back pocket. You know, like some shit like this. And I'm like, okay. So I'd go up to this guy and I would say to him.
0: We are gorilla podcasting, so we're gonna have some sound effects going on here.
1: <laughs> so I would go up to this guy and I said, hey, how's, how's it going? You know, and I was like, you know, trying to get the vibe, like what's going on. He would just like get up and he would bow to me and it's just like, hi, is it okay if I watch? You know, I I I mean that's fine. You just be respectful and and just be quiet. And he's like, okay, no problem. So he kept he kept coming, and then he started coming into the sword class and watching sword class, watching sword class. Going, oh, I really want to join. I really want to join. I said, okay, well, you know, I mean, if you really want to do this, this is what it takes. And da da da. And he said, okay, okay. So he just kind of kept putting things together. And then I told him, I said, well, if you come, you can't be on any drugs here or working with weapons. You can't, you know, you have to be sober at the time and stuff like that. So he ended up coming and getting in the class. And you know, I, you know, I still, I still charged him a fee, right? I felt, you know, I knew he was homeless, but I was just like, my job is to empower him. So if I still say, okay, here, you you can do this. This is how much it costs. Let's see how, how much you really want to do this, how much you can power to do it. And he did. I said, okay, now, now I know where you're at. And so he would figure, figure it out. And I'm like, okay. And so he started coming in really cool guy. And he started coming in and he started training with us, training with us, training with us, training with us, training, with us, training, with us, training with us. And we do all sorts of stuff. And then all of a sudden he tells me, he's like, um, you know, Sheehan. I'm like, yes, yes, sir. What's up? He's like, so these guys have been following me around for the last seven years recording my life. And I'm like, What? you know like what are you okay you know he's like yeah they've just been recording my life doing a documentary and they want to come in and record here as part of their movie and I'm like okay you know what I mean and the whole idea was that he he ended up getting off of heroin and he ended up getting back into martial arts and and that was a story for when he was younger because they were documenting his life that he was into martial arts so he ended up doing this and so they came in and they filmed and 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 he, they did a little interview at the end and it was a couple of us there at the time. And, you know, and he was just a, he was really taking responsibility for his life. And I remember like in the movie, they, they challenged him and they said, well, you know, you know, how much of this is, you know, cause they were talking about his life and they said something about, you know, well, you had all these things that happened to you and, you know, they, you know, all these things when you were a child and this is what, the, and it caused you to be a certain way. And he, he looked at it and said, look, Someone can put a loaded gun in front of you. You still got to pick it up and shoot it. And I said, man, that's something. <laughs> he was super cool like that. So anyway, long, kind of long story short, he, we ended up seeing this movie. It's dog, called Dogtown Redemption. It's a, it's a documentary about, um, about these recyclers in Oakland. And he was part of that movie. And we are in that movie, which was just kind of a cool experience. But so anyways, we're in a class one time. And what would happen is, like, he would have all these katanas, these, these you know, eidos actually, and he would use them for, for training. But anytime he would walk around and the police mess with them, the police would just break it. Oh. So they would break his, like, sword. And he would always be trying to put these swords together, right, and back together and trying to fix them and everything. So I'm like, okay, you know, and I, we kept a pretty decent eye on him. But then all of a sudden, one day, we're, we're, I'm teaching this class, and I say, okay, I'm going to put one person in the middle and then we have eight people around them, right? And you're going to, the first person is going to walk towards you and you're going to turn, to, walk toward you, you're going to turn and you're going to cut. And when, whenever you feel anyone else walk towards you, I want you to turn and cut immediately. Yes. I don't only really want you to think about it. Turn and cut mean, you trust your feeling. So the whole class is about trusting your feeling. Don't think about it. Don't try to anticipate it. Just trust yourself and move with that feeling of pressure, that feeling of movement and trust yourself. So, cause so they'd be in one thing and someone from behind them will start walking and they would have to turn and cut. So a lot of people would have issues. They would turn and they would like second guess themselves or they wouldn't turn and they would try to you know, hear and they would do all these things to try to convince themselves instead of just going for it. So the whole point was you don't have time to think you got to trust in your feelings. So we're doing this, right? And so I have all these eight people and I have him in the center and I'm kind of in between two people and he, he had cut one and he was just like, raw. He was like really cut down really hard. Right. And I was like, relax. You know what I mean? Like r- relax with your cut. That's what's going to make you have a good cut. So he cuts one way and the guy next to me starts walking towards him. So he turns and he just does this, you know, this monster cut and his sword snaps off of his, off of his, um, uh, sukkah.
0: So the handle the broken the, yeah, blade the, broke handle. Off the handle yeah
1: just completely snapped off of it right and this thing is flying towards me all that I'm seeing is just silver shiny stuff and with one breath and one movement I just went and I just moved my right leg and just kind of turned my right leg and moved away and the sword went right where my foot was gonna go oof and right where my foot was actually before that right it was my right foot was kind of forward and then I just kind of pivot on my on my uh, left leg and swung my right foot around. And I remember taking a big, deep breath and just going, because there was no time, Mm -hmm. there was no time. I just kind of resigned to the fact that I'm going to move and I trust my movement. And that sword literally went into the mat right where my foot was going to be. And it was the trippiest thing. Everyone was just silent for like two minutes. They're like, (laughs) (laughs) everyone's looking at each other. And I'm like, okay. This is a good lesson for us all we got to make sure we really pay attention to our weapons (laughs) you know (laughs) so what happened is he had he had like only one one part of the of the um inside the suka there was only one hole the mukugi right it was only in the in one and you should have two and that that thing broke off Mm. and snapped and that's why his blade came flying out but it was it was interesting because that was the that was the lesson of the of the whole class was to trust your feelings.
0: And you went and just trusted exactly what you felt. And it, and it
1: was and it was so trippy. So you have those kind of experiences, and you're like, "Whoa, that's so trippy!" You know, to have that experience and have that conversation about it.
0: Yeah. So literally, there was a, out of the lesson out of that entire class, and you got to put it in action during the class.
1: Right. Right. And that's the, one of those things where, like, you know, you just show up and you just you just trust. And I think that that's really martial arts started to give me or gave me that. It still gives to me that kind of feeling of just, OK, I just keep showing up and I just keep learning and doing my best and having the confidence to know that that's who I am and that's what I'm going to continue to do. And I think that's why martial arts so great for children and people and, and all that kind of um, everyone in that realm. But, you know, you also, ha- it's also a practice, right? You have to be engaged in your practice. If you're not engaged in it, then don't do it. You know, find something else that really, you know, gets you feeling engaged and, and gets you challenged for you to overcome your challenges, right? When I talk to my parents for the kids, I say, look, like, I'm not, I'm not here as an after school, like activity, like I'm here as a school and I, I'm going to challenge your child. I'm gonna do it in a loving way, I'm gonna do it in a compassionate way, but your children are gonna be challenged. And there's gonna be days where they love to come in here, and there's gonna be days where they start making up excuses because they're being challenged.
2: Mm-hmm. What
1: are you gonna do then? What, what are you gonna do as, your, as their parent, and how are you gonna work with me so we can help support them get over that challenge? Because them getting over that challenge is gonna build a character of who they are.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm here to build character for people. You know, so let's work together. And I think it's such a healthy conversation to have with parents because I think parents get in this idea that it's just another activity and everyone's trying to pat themselves on the back for being a good parent and taking their child to an activity. But what's the work here? Right. What's the work we're doing for these children so that they can be good, healthy adults? You know, and and that's the thing that I like to help them with because it's harder when they're adults. It really is.
0: Yeah, you can get them started when they're younger. It sets that foundation for... You know that work and the reward for the work, not just I just showed up so I get my reward. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. It's it's so much easier to do that with kids than it is with adults. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
1: So yeah. So that was a, that was a very interesting. I know I went off on a, <laughs> went off on that story, but it was just it was such a cool experience for me um, as a teacher to have that kind of that kind of experience with these with with that situation and with this person. You know, unfortunately, he he ended up disappearing and I'm not really sure what happened to him. But again, it's one of those things as a teacher, you know, I gave him a piece of me. I gave him who I, what I wanted to and what he needed at that moment. And I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. I have to be okay. Well, I don't know where he is. He may be alive. He may not be, but I gave and he received and he gave me and that is relationships we have as we grow up. We, we meet people, we interact, we have connections and then sometimes we just move on. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's part of being a human, you know. Sometimes we try to hold and be attached and that's really is really like stops us from experience the human side of things.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? I have to ask, from the Eastern philosophy side of the equation there, mm-hmm. did you saying that you had to be aware of it break the blade or the blade the blade broke just so you could prove the point (laughs) i don't know right that's
1: that that's the whole thing it's like did i manifest that or was that or was i just like in tuned Mm -hmm. you know with what was about to happen like it was so it's very interesting like those things can boggle the mind a little bit i remember having a conversation with concho about because we were talking about um intuition versus like fear Right. Because I'm saying like, OK, Concho, like, OK, we we're on a plane. I, I, I don't know where we we're going. We were probably going somewhere foreign. Um, uh, probably to, S- to Switzerlanders. I don't know. We we're going someplace. I had a really actually really interesting story with him. We were flying out that trip to Hungary. We were flying out and we're on this plane. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting across from Concho and all of a sudden there's a call on the plane about, you know, is there a do- Is there a doctor on board or anything like that? Oh, boy. And I'm like, what's going on? And, and they're like, is there a, a nurse or something? And, and, you know, so Concha looks at me and he goes, and he goes, well, I'm, I used to be a combat, a combat medic, right? Or a combat, I think a combat medic. Yeah, combat yeah. medic. So he goes, I'll help. So he goes in there and he starts doing, you know, the, the stuff to this guy, keeping this guy, this guy was having a hard time. He starts talking to this guy. And then they ask him like, well, what do you think we should do? He's like, if you're asking me, you should land. You know what I mean? Like, let's land, you know? So we ended up diverting into Washington, D.C., and then we ended up spending a night in D.C. because we had we were catching our plane to Switzerland so the next day, and we ended up walking around D.C. and everything, but it, it was very interesting to watch him in that capacity because it was really just my first time getting to really know him in that level mm. and watch him kind of step up and just kind of be like, well, this is, this is all of who I am. I'm a human being, and I'm going to step up, you know? So it was very interesting. So we were, we were sitting in this plane. It wasn't that trip. It was a different trip. And we're, and we're sitting next to each other. And we're talking about this concept of you know, um, intuition versus fear. I said, well, how do I know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do I know if it's fear or intuition? <laughs> That's the
0: Western mindset. Of you know, here. right?
1: Exactly, yeah. right? Like, how do I know? you got to let me know how I know, right? And he goes, well, I guess I would say that intuition is more like a pure thought. It just, like, comes to you. He's like, for instance, you're sitting here on the plane. Well, now all of a sudden you're sitting on the plane you start thinking about all sorts of plane things. You might think like, oh my God, I don't want to be in a plane crash. And then you might say, well, is that intuition? You're trying to run off the plane because you think you're on. But you, you, cult, you like kind of got into it and kind of like cultivated just that thought because you started having your fear come into play. But intuition is more like this idea like it just pops in your head and it's clear. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. And it was funny because I started to play with, remember like in in Kahn Jiu-Jitsu in Kancho, he's very good about like, Taking something and then just playing with it, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, play with it, see, discover a little bit more, you know. And I think once you start bringing things in perspective, you start to you start to understand them more, right? Like you, you know, you you're looking at that red car that you want to buy, and all of a sudden there's a red car everywhere, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of idea. So I'm playing with I'm playing with trying to understand intuition, and I remember driving. Oh, right here, over here, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden my mind my it comes to me it says get off, get off the freeway, and I, like I'm like then my logic mind comes, up why the fuck would I get off the freeway here like my next stop bro I'm on the next stop is where my, my where I'm supposed to get off why would I get off here like I almost was like confused why my mind would even say that mm-hmm. like why would you like that thought would come to me like why would I get off there and literally like 30 seconds later boom stop traffic mm. I was sitting there for an hour <laughs>
0: And I'm like, jeez, I thought. should have listened to that thing. Why am I not cultivating this? <laughs> <laughs> and now if
1: only I could have intuition about, you know, how I can, you know, win the lotto. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very interesting how you play with things like that. And I think it's important for us to kind of discover those things and play with them and, and see, we'll just see the possibilities. You know, I think too often we have endless, we don't allow endless possibilities to kind of happen. We want to we want to control so much that we don't leave space for something else to happen, right? So anyway, so yeah, so wait, what was your questioning?
0: <laughs> My question was the joke on it. Was that Eastern philosophy? Oh, yeah, yeah, You, that's you made right. that wheeled into things, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I so. think we addressed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, because you think that way sometimes, like, wow, did I manifest this? Or I just been you know what right. I mean? Something happens, you know?
0: I, I had a couple of weird moments like that where you're, I'm in the middle of teaching a seminar, and I'm waiting, you know, I've got my, my UK's there is going to help me demonstrate this idea, and it happens to be off of a punch, and I'm talking about something, and all of a sudden you can just feel that this guy, for whatever reason, his brain just strokes off, here comes that punch. Yeah. It's like, dude, not yet, what's going on here? But it's that weird moment in time where you're having this conversation in your head, yeah. punches in the middle of like slow motion, oh, I better move now. Yeah,
1: you know, right. <laughs> right, so it's, it's interesting being in that, in that void place where Like, time almost slows down. Time doesn't exist in the present moment, right? You think about time, especially psychological time, our brain really either thinks of the past or the future, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's trying to to figure something out. Right, it's analyzing
0: based on present or future data. Right,
1: yeah. So I either, okay, what was the past? Okay, let me use that to understand how I can predict the future, Mm -hmm. right? So it's contemplating that. And I think what happens is we're kind of really addicted to that as a society really addicted to thinking so much Mm -hmm. you know and I think when you do something with your body um, especially like martial arts and you can lose yourself into in that that like void of non-thought and just movement it really you find those those places of peace Mm -hmm. in those movements it's like I always think I always say it's like you're gonna figure something out when the punch is coming towards your face. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna be in a space where you can't think though, mm-hmm. at some point, right? And- Or you're gonna get clocked. Or you're gonna get clocked, right? <laughs> so you're gonna get into, you're gonna start to, you know, trust in yourself and your movement and and this pressure and move. And then you get into a space where you're just, you're in it. You're engaged and fully in the moment. You forget about what you're having gonna have for dinner. You're not thinking about what you just did 10 minutes ago. All what you're doing is engaged in the fact that the fist is coming at your face. Mm-hmm. And there's such a surrealness in that, you know? It's like, you know, if you play an instrument or something like that, you know, you can, you first you learn, you know, the, you know, the chords and you, or, you know, the keys and then the chords and then you, and then you start to learn certain songs and you start to try to play it. And then, and then you, you understand to a certain point that it then becomes an art and you learn how to create your own song. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think anything that you do, and you really fully engage in that, you're eventually creating your own story, your own song, your own interpretation. And that's what I really love about Sebekan Jiu Jitsu, because it becomes like that. It's very structured in, in the beginning. Here's a Kihon, here's this, there's this, here's drills, you know. And that's what all Kihon really is. just like drills, drills, drills. And then it slowly starts to dissipate those drills. It slowly allows it to open up for your, your own body movement, how you move, how you interpret their movement how you know with obviously with a, a foundation of, of understanding about what you're trying to do but it really you, right, you start to see people f- come out of who, and be who they are mm. when they start to get into those levels of just expressing themselves in movement
0: now you've trained how many how many black belts do you have now
1: <laughs> to, not enough no I'm kidding <laughs> no no not your
0: personal like, yeah. how many students have you trained in the black belt now um, ballpark just roughly
1: Mm, I want to say, mm, like each, you mean degrees of black belts or just black belt, pre, like, like How many people have
0: you promoted to showdown or more?
1: I would probably say about 30.
0: Okay. So that's a pretty good sample size. Yeah. So I would imagine that that's part of your biggest thing that you take out of teaching is getting to watch each of those students find their own journey and find how they relate to that material and bring that out of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you watch people go through something. Right. And it's experience. And that's what's really interesting about, you know, having like levels like in Sabucon Jiu Jitsu, we, we call them like, you know, the black belts, a demonstration, because really what the reality is, we're, we're trying to create a line in the sand for you. So now you can get contrast to yourself. Mm. And when you get contrast to yourself, you're able to then enhance what you knew before. Because now you see it from a different perspective.
0: As again, you're looking back and comparing and seeing. Right, right,
1: right. Especially when you have contrasting levels of energy, like you got fire level, and then you have a you have like a water level, and it's more movement and flow. You know, and then you say, "Whoa, how are those two melting together?" You know, and mm-hmm. that becomes who you are. But you watch people go through this, and sometimes they they go through this experience inside their demonstration. They really fully start to come out, and you say, "Okay," you know, because they have to show up. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sitting there and watching them. And they have to show up. And you know at this point that the majority of them always end up showing up in some in some way or form. And, you know, we typically in the demonstration is really where it's like, it's just your day. Like, show us what you got. We do a pre-test before that, and that's really where we're like.
0: That's where you drill everybody. Yeah,
1: we're going to go after you. And once they get through that, it's like they feel like they're the rock stars. Like, ah, oh, I got through that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they have their demonstration, and you watch them kind of, kind of like capture that feeling of, I have, have put a line in the sand. I'm new, right? I watched this, this girl who, who she did her young girl. She was with me since she was like nine years old or something. She moved here from Russia and she didn't know any English. And she got put into my class and we just kept working which i working working and she was so cool and she was just like very disciplined and very like you know okay I'm gonna do this okay okay and you watch her go through these phases of her life and then she did her black or her, her showdown it was really excellent showdown and then you saw her kind of in water people so fire the first level is really just about like you know going after it like getting that attention like going it, taking that initiative going 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 and then water is more of like okay you know, you learn. Now you're going to flow with this information. You already learned how to learn. How are you going to keep moving with it? And you see people kind of stagnate a little because it's such a contrast. Mm. And you watch them. How how did, how did they work through that? And then you watch this this young girl. And she kept working through it, kept working through it. And you see her stagnate at times. She worked through it. And then she did her, her second-degree black belt. And she was so excited after that. She's like, I feel like I was just born again. Because she... She, she pumps again. Right exactly because she she experienced a an experience for herself that really just took her own you know self to another to another level she evolved in those moments and it literally was in her demonstration because i was even like oh maybe we should put it off but she was moving and i was like oh. you know i mean because you saw her and she just didn't you know she you didn't think she I don't know if I didn't, I believed in her, but you, you're just like, which one of her is going to show up that uh-huh. day? And you're a little nervous. Yep. You know, I'm a little nervous as a teacher. I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> but then you have to, you have to trust and you're like, okay, let's see what happens, you know? And she showed up. And when she showed up, it was just beautiful to oh, watch so her. Fun. Yeah. To watch her just kind of blossom in that, in those moments, blossom mm-hmm. in the pretest, blossom in the demonstration and become this just powerful woman in front of your eyes. And you're like, Whoa, this is cool. You know, and and that's the thing that you have to you have to be okay with is to watch people in their personal journey and how they're going to how they're going to blossom out of that. Right. So those those are really fun experience to have with, with all your students. So, you know, I think that. Everyone is an individual and I go back to the idea of. You have to take responsibility for that as an individual in your journey, and I think some people don't. I think some people think that the teacher is supposed to tell them exactly how to do something and it's supposed to be perfect. And it's supposed to be the thing that's going to... You know, this has to be the the greatest martial art that's going to beat all martial arts. You know, it's like, it's, that's not realistic. Yeah. It's, it's, you know what I mean? Good luck. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, how do you perform your martial arts? Maybe different how to this person, but this martial art is is this martial art for that person is really really resonating with them. Mm -hmm. So their level to their ability to to kind of really hone in on that and be the best of who they can be in that is perfect because you may be the best you can be in this Mm -hmm. and that may really resonate with you. Then it's not about, you know, comparison. Yep. It's about individuality, you know, and having that feeling of I'm the best who I am and this really resonates with me and brings that out of me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, if you're gonna, you may be, you know, love to play the guitar, but hate to play the piano.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you not a musician? You know what I mean? Like, of course you're a musician. You just you resonate with the guitar more. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Great. Go find someone who plays the piano and then now make a song. <laughs> now you got a band. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so, those kind of experiences are really
0: interesting for me. So, I'm gonna switch gears slightly yeah, just because sure. we, we had some uh, really empowering moments to talk about. Yeah. If my math is right, between Seibukan, Bato, and uh, Budo Taijutsu, yeah. you've taken 32 demonstrations. My math is right.
1: Okay. You're probably right.
0: Well, 10 levels of black, yeah. 11 levels of black. Yeah. I don't know how many... Well, actually, I know my math's not right because I don't know how many levels in, in uh, ninjutsu before black belt.
1: Uh, so that yeah. means it's
0: more than 32.
1: Yeah, probably. So oh.
0: out of all of those demonstrations... Mm-hmm. Have you had one for yourself that was particularly challenging to the point where you had those moments of having the gut check in the middle of that demonstration?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I think they all have a different challenge for you because of where you are, right? Like each one of them has to be a challenge or there's no growth, mm-hmm. right? So, so depending on where you are, they're very challenging. Like in the beginning when I started taking a lot of them, I mean. They were challenging because I was like, I was really, you know, self-conscious. I really like, oh, am I doing this right? You know, and you had to like get over yourself in order to just do it, you know? So those mm-hmm. felt really challenging to me at that time, right? But then you, you, you grow and you go, huh, what were you so worried about? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just do it, you know what I mean? Um, I had, you know, I remember having a, a, I had to do a black belt demonstration and I just got back from Mexico. We were t- training down there and I, ha- I was starting to get an, I had an infection that started blowing my face up. Mm. But it was just a little bit and I had a fever and my heart was pounding like crazy because my body was trying to find infection. I went to the, I went to the, um, the, the, what is it called? The clinic there, the, the, what do they have? Emergency little, services or whatever? Yeah, yeah, you know, they do a little like- at
0: the salute or whatever? It,
1: no, like in no inside inside Monterey, right before I went down, there was a little clinic that's like urgent care. Oh,
0: right right urgent care! I went to urgent
1: care, went there, said I'm I don't know what's going on, you know, and they tried to give me something. I'm like okay, and then I went from there right to my demonstration. Oh boy! <laughs> and you know, so I'm like okay, and I'm just going for this, right? And it turned out to be to be okay, um, but that was challenging. You know what I mean? Um, I find that the most rewarding ones were the fact when when I knew that I really shifted like I really shifted to trust who I was. So, you know, for like Sebu Khan, you know, I think that when, after you do like your Yandan and you go through this win, this win element, this is really about like, you know, letting go of ego, letting go of what you want to happen and allowing things and really surrendering to what is. And that really started me on, on, on a path of just being more confident in my movement moving more diligently, um, moving with the okay that if something changes, I change, Mm. you know, and not really thinking that, you know, I have to do this and because I do this, if they don't go down, I failed.
3: Mm. Like,
1: that's just like, you know, almost immature thinking, you know what I mean? Because you think that, oh, I have to do this and they have to go down or I'm, I'm screwing up. And that's still not true. Right. Everybody, everyone responds differently. Bodies respond differently. You know, maybe you're not executing in the right moment. Maybe your moment's off, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you start to be okay with that, you actually get cleaner. You actually get more precise. You actually trust more what you do. So I would say that if any of them were not challenging in some way of who I was at that moment, they weren't worth doing. You know what I mean? Because they didn't give me the growth I was looking for. And then then they're just like, oh, you're just checking off a belt. That's not what I want to do. And that's what I tell my students. It's like, no, I don't don't sell belts. I want to see you move through an experience and grow Mm -hmm. as an individual. How are you growing? Yes, you have curriculum. You must understand and perform proficiently. But if you're performing it just like because of how you've seen it, you're just being a robot about it and you can't handle pressure, or you can't handle the the hey this is a big everyone's watching you and guess what? You're not gonna know what that guy does for you, you better show up. Mm-hmm. If you can't handle that then then that then you have more work to do. Right. Right? And that that handling of that changes degrees based on how, how much you're changing. Right? So sure, like if you're if you're a certain person, maybe I know what degree that you need that is in your comfort zone and i'm going to take you a little bit outside of that mm-hmm. and then i'm going to keep pushing you outside keep pushing you outside of that that may be different from this student than this student mm-hmm. and that's okay with me that's okay with how i push them as long as they're they're dealing with the curriculum that they're learning
0: and that's what you expected anyway from when you were doing your demonstrations absolutely
1: absolutely and and Contro really does that i mean he he's one of those teachers like you know you can't just come to me and because i like you i go okay you're gonna be a showdown today you know it's like no no he really wants you to have that experience we don't actually so a lot of martial arts schools they will they will do like um group um promotions right Mm -hmm. put everyone in the thing and everyone does their promotion right
2: Right.
1: he doesn't want to do that at all it's your day he wants you to have that experience for yourself
0: because i've heard it's really rare if you have more than one on the same day
1: oh yeah we i mean i i maybe we did it in I don't even think we did it in Hungary. I think we actually had to do one one day and the next day. He really he really fights it because it's your human experience and it's your day. We do we do the demonstration. We have a bunch of food out there and we celebrate your your coming of age to say mm. right. And I think it's really important for for younger people as well because in our culture we don't really have that coming of age cultural experience. Right. A lot of cultures have that, you know, and there may be cultures that celebrate inside of inside of America but a lot of Americans don't celebrate that coming of age um, you know what's the coming of age going and drinking right. and dri- driving your car being able to buy a lotto ticket like is that really <laughs> the coming of age you know or are we trying to teach these kids and these people like here you here is a line in the sand you have become something now and you have now a perspective on who you are
3: mm-hmm. and
1: I think that's really what the like
0: demonstrations do for people that I've seen it's a pressure test to make you figure out what you're made out of. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you get people used to actually dealing with that kind of pressure before their demonstrations?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think it's a combination of stuff. First, you have to get through the physical stuff, right? You have to get them you have to get them comfortable with moving. And the reality is, like, you know, most people, especially when you see something, you, you get it caught up in your conscious mind. You try to, like, you're almost, like, robotic in, in trying to mimic it. Right. So once you get them past the, the, the steps, you say, OK, you have the steps now. You have the one, two, three. How do you make it two? Mm-hmm. How do you make it one? How do you make this movement just a, a flow of, of, of who you are, an explosion of that movement? So you really want them to kind of like put their spirit into it. Mm-hmm. And when they have their spirit into it, then you say, OK, great. And then now you start to watch what happens when they start to get pressured. Mm. Then then you see their mental breakdown. They may, they have the movement in their body, but now mentally they start to break down. Maybe there's fear there. Maybe there's something that happened in their past. Maybe they feel they're not good enough. Maybe they're getting fragile and, and they start to shut down.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so then you have to start to help to cultivate their, their confidence and their self-confidence inside their mental state and and remind them that those two connect, right? And how you continue to, to play with that. So it really depends on the individual. If an individual becomes p- passive and, and afraid, you have to say, you have to help them, like, you know, take your, take your kumai, trust your movement, move forward. You have to do this. You need to survive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you have to start to be firm with them and you have to say, this is what you need to do. You know, if you see someone that's overly doing something, like literally, because you see that, like sometimes they overly do something to their uke. Mm-hmm. And now you're being violent.
0: Right. Now the uke is just getting slammed for no reason. Yeah. It's
1: like, why do you want to be violent? Is that what you come here to do is to be a violent person because you think somehow you being overly aggressive is what you need to do. That's not what we do. We do what's needed,
3: mm-hmm.
1: what's needed to stop violence as protectors and healers of the world. Like take that perspective. I'm going to do what's necessary. Now that may necessary may go all the way from breaking your pinky to break, to killing you. You know what I mean? Like you just never know. But the whole point is, is if I don't have the idea of wanting to stop Violence, then I just become violent myself.
0: Right, you're using violence as a solution to end a significant problem. Yeah. Not as the response to default scenario.
1: Right, right. So, you know, de-escalation, but in a physical way. Right. right? You know, and that's what I was trying to do with that that guy that I was saying on the screen. It's like, I'm going to de-escalate this, but that didn't mean that... I was going to cower down to him. Right. It wasn't yeah. me like, please, sir, stop. Don't be calm. Cal- please don't. I didn't do anything. I yeah. said, motherfucker, that's my daughter. You better shut the fuck up and get away from us. Mm-hmm. And putting my hand out there and making sure that he knew my presence was there. Mm-hmm. I didn't just run at him and start punching him in the head. Right. Right. Because I don't know what that's going to turn into. And I didn't need to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that and it proved it because he walked away. I walked away and we had a situation. So you learn who tries to put more. And, be, and, and think that it's about violence, mm-hmm. and who is doing less and is afraid. And you work with each one of those individuals to help them get comfortable. And sometimes you have to say, okay, let's slow it down. It's okay if it's slowed down. Let's see, right, now we're gonna pressure test this fact. Now I'm just gonna start pushing you a little bit this. What's going on with you? Oh, I don't know, I feel like I'm in the, okay, so what's your strategy there? Let's think about a strategy that could default when you're starting to have that. Right. So if you're if you're defaulting, to, if you're if you're just freaking out, and pausing, then you're not thinking about a strategy. Mm-hmm. If your strategy is I need to move my feet, I need to put my I need to get my hands and up so I can I can control space. I need to, you know, maybe I'm going to move my feet and then and look for a strike or move my feet and get my come like, What is your strategy at this moment? Let's talk about that mm-hmm. so that they can start to implant that strategy in, into their body, into their subconscious. Because right now it's not, it's in their, it's in their conscious thought. And what happens when it's their conscious thought, when it starts to pick up speed, their, their mind's not quick enough. Yeah.
0: Brain can't, their conscious mind does not have the ability to process that fast.
1: Right. Exactly. So we have to get them over that. We have Mm -hmm. to get it into their subconscious mind, get the strategy, let them feel comfortable with that and then start to push that pressure, test that pressure, test that. Right. For people that are just too violent, you, you know, and I, I'm not saying it because it, it's a mean thing. I don't want to say like these violent bastards, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they, but it's, they, they just get the impression that they, they have to be, they have to do more than what's needed. And mm-hmm. you have to keep reminding them, like, why, why do you feel like you need to do more than needed? Didn't you know that that right there was a, was good enough to put you in that position? Mm-hmm. Why, why did you do that? And what will happen when you try to do more than you needed? Someone like me or someone that trains to deal with aggression is going to use that against you. Yep. So, as you start to understand what we're doing, you're going to understand that you're only going to, you really want to show at the max 25% of what you really can do at any given time because you have to be careful that someone's going to use that aggression against you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, someone may be baiting you, someone may be, you know, opening up a thing because they know you're going to, to go for it. Yep. You know, I mean, I don't know how many students that we started to play. Or how many friends I had to play with, and then all of a sudden, you know, they start wanting to get aggressive, and you let them, and then you slowly get them into into a compromised position because you let them. You know, they're really focused on that arm or that shoulder, and you and you almost like. Keep that tension up there, and then, as you just like squirm around it and punch them or something, mm-hmm. you know squirm around around that while they're fighting against that one thing that you're giving them, like you know like, here it is, you yeah, got it, oh my at God, the over here. yeah, exactly, and and they get overly they get overly uh, attached to it, mm-hmm. right so they're attached to some sort of idea that they have to be you know they have to have so much aggression, and I'm saying, but why? That person doesn't need that much. Mm-hmm. Now maybe this person needs that. But you have to be able to understand that level of what you need to put out. Mm-hmm. Because then you're not in control if you don't understand that level. And what we're trying to understand is that you don't can't understand how to control someone else if you can't understand how to control yourself.
0: I love the way you're presenting those concepts. Is nowhere in there was that about how there was anything you're responsible for, for dealing with somebody else's psychology. (laughs) You know, we're not in the martial arts as psychologists. Right. You know, we're here to help you with your physical self and learning the self-confidence out of that piece. I love the way you presented that. Right. Because it dealt with taking the violence down to understanding where the minimum piece is and bringing the passives up. Right. But not with, from, I have to deal with whatever your trauma is. Right. That was really cool way to put that. Yeah. Like props on that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: I appreciate that. It, it, well, it's interesting when you become a student of movement in martial arts, you really can understand what people go through just by watching them. Like mm-hmm. where they're at mentally, by watching their movement. You're like, okay, I, I understand. And then you start to learn to work with that. That's You try to empower them through, through what you understand, what you see, mm-hmm. without like, I'm going to buy into your bullshit. Right. You know, I don't, I'm not buying into you know, life's happening to you. I'm buying into life's happening for you. Are you seeing it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think Concho is really good about teaching teaching me that. It's like, you know, you get you get the drama of, of dojo sometimes, and this person does this person, that person does this person, and this person wants to talk to you about that person because that person did something. You're like, so every time they would you you get something like that, you turn. I would always try and turn back to you. And I'm like, well, what was your involvement in that?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? And not necessarily what did you do wrong, but... How are you, how did this manifest in your life?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And what are you seeing in that? Like, don't tell me about that. I don't, I'm not here for that, for, for it to be the, you know, the principle. I'm here to understand why, why is it bothering you? And I'm going to shine that mirror in you so you can go back and understand it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's all I'm here to do. I'm not here to tell you how to deal with it or tell you why it shouldn't bother you. Here, look, why is it bothering you?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And what do you need to discover about yourself because of it? And nice. that really changes them. That changes the mental state. And you watch when people change their mental state, they change their physical state. Yep. We can see it when people's walking down the street, right? Walking down the street with posture. Mm-hmm. You see certain people and you can say, oh, that person's out not having a great day. Or, oh, that person must be something thinking about something. Or, or, wow, that person's really, like, jacked up on something. Like, what's going on with that person? Or you see someone that's just walking in a very confident way and they just feel, oh, well, that person must be pretty like chill you know they're at they're at a nice medium level right they're Mm -hmm. assertive position right and guess what the assertive people are probably the ones you're not really messing with right you're you're either going after those people who think they're all bad because you want to prove a point right some victims you know one become or you're dealing with the person that looks like the victim right so how do we cultivate an assertiveness that is not a violence Mm -hmm. right um and i think that that's that's huge to try to to cultivate i think that sometimes we think in, that we have to present this very aggressive being in order to to put on this like, I don't know, fake armor so that no one messes with us, but it almost draws in that attention. It really does. You know, it draws that in. I, I mean, I remember when I was young and having these things, you know, when I would get in fights or get jumped or, you know, you know, be randomly attacked, you know, you'd get all these things that happen. and you would, you would try to understand. I would try to understand like, well, why, why did this happen? And how did it happen for me? What am I learning from this about myself in this position? What was happening? This, you know, why did this person just walk up to me and start to, you know, start trying to, you know, fight me or, or start hitting me or, you know, like, why, why did that happen? Why did this person come in and start trying to to, you know, put his hand in my pocket to take my money, like, what on a bus, on a crowded bus, like, what What was it about me? What was I positioned like? How was that happened? And I have to use it from a place where I don't feel a victim of it,
3: mm-hmm.
1: because if I become a victim of it, then I become scared and that fear drives me to do other things. And I want to be very careful of that, because it's not healthy. It's mm-hmm. just not a healthy form to outlet in that way. So, I'm really trying to, to See life happening for me, and really use those lessons to cultivate myself every day better and better. That's really what I want to do.
0: Beautiful. Love it. So, so you do
1: a lot of these podcasts, right? And people, you ask a lot of questions, right? And you, you had a, you had all this time to experience martial arts and talk to martial artists. What is something that you see as a collective whole that is kind of like? You know, whenever I talk to them, there's this symbiotic like thing that's happening that they keep saying, like, what is that thing that you see and that you experience when you talk to all these people?
0: This is awesome. It's the first time somebody's ever had a question. <laughs> uh, we touched on it earlier, but there's this, I, I don't want to use the word fraternity, right. but it, it's, it's the closest analogy I can think of at the moment. Mm-hmm. All of us who have put any significant time into studying, be it one art, be it multiple arts, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We all have this kind of symbiotic relationship and this fraternal bond of we've all been through this crucible of having to go through a physical training, a mental training, a spiritual training. Right. Not a religious side of spiritual right, training, right. but the getting to be a better person. Right. How do you take these skills and grow from them? Mm-hmm. And across the board, Everybody I talk to who has spent any significant time in the martial arts, all of us have stories mm-hmm. that help. What what did we take out of it and how do we help somebody else? Right. And by and large, it's the martial artists who got into it for whatever reason. Some of them want social aspect. Some of them want the camaraderie. Some mm-hmm. of them want, I, I had a really negative experience and I need to, to now learn how to protect myself. Right. Or, you know, my best friend got jumped and now I want to make sure that I'm not going to get jumped. Mm-hmm. You know, we both live in a bad area, whatever. Whatever those reasons are, people stick with it for a lot of the same reasons. Mm. And it's really cool to talk to everybody that's been on my show so far, and even the people that I, you know, I've got a whole bunch of people that I've talked to, and they kind of say, yeah, that's really cool, but I don't know if I want to be on a show. <laughs> but all of them have the same kind of idea. It's, I met brothers in the martial arts. Right. I met sisters in the martial arts. I've got teachers that I revere, not because I put them up on a pedestal, but because every time that I have a question, right. they can help me figure out what I need to do to answer my own question. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: And I've got mentors that I can go to with anything. And it doesn't matter if I call them at 3 in the morning, I usually get the cursed reaction real quick. And then it's, <laughs> OK, what do you need at 3 in the morning? You know? <laughs> well, I want to do this. Good. Call me back at 9 AM. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm in a crisis, and I, just, I, I need somebody to help me through something. I've mm-hmm. got resources that I can pull on. I've got mentors that help me in life. Mm-hmm. I've got some of the uh, absolutely not some of my best friends are the people that I've met in the martial arts. Mm-hmm. you know um, and it's just been so cool, tying that back to the question about this show, it's been so cool to get all the different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own story, right? But universally we have those that same bond.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's really cool that it, it, it doesn't matter what style you study. Mm-hmm. you're still getting some of the same life benefits out of it, right. And I love doing this show because I get to hear all of these stories. And it gives me goosebumps. And several times today I'm sitting there going like, hey, look, goosebumps again, right? Yeah. And every show has that. Right. You know, I do this just because I love talking to people about their stories. Right. But the personal gratification for me is watching you guys light up. Like, I don't get to do everybody on video, but luckily we're gorilla podcasting today. So we're sitting <laughs> in the car recording. And I've gotten to see your face light up so many times mm. because you remembered something. And it's in that moment you go back to that visual piece, and it's almost like I can I can watch you reliving the sensory inputs mm-hmm. as you describe it. You just light up, and you get so excited. Everybody I've talked to has the same kind of thing that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. That lights me up, and it keeps me wanting to keep doing more of these shows.
1: Wow, ah, so cool. You know, and I, I, I know love, that was a long winded explanation. No, no, I love hearing that. I love hearing about that because I think it's so important to everyone has a story like you're saying, and to watch people who who ex- have that experience and, and it really ex- is like cultivated who they are and they really get excited about it and you watch this. And, and I think this is one of the things I talk about when I see people do their demonstration and, and they get this kind of like, whoa, this is who I am and this is what I've done. And, and they like get excited about these kind of things and mm-hmm. to watch them go through this and no matter what else they do, they had that experience in their life everyone's been through that experience that they do. So you have all the black belts line up and they watch this person getting their black belt and doing it, and every single one of those black belts know that that's the way we went through something similar, right? Mm-hmm. I always, when the white belt comes in, I always tell the white belt, I say, hey guys, like, everyone was a white belt too. I was a white belt, they were a white belt. And your job today is just learn one thing new. That's it, don't, don't be intimidated by them because guess what they're doing? They're learning one thing new today too. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We just build on each other, right? And you want those white belts to stand on your shoulders, right? Stand on shoulders of giants. And you're going to be better than I was at, at that level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you want you want to give them that experience and have them and watch them light up when they have those uh, aha moments. You know, you say aha moments, is like the clouds are parting. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to see the sun and they're going, whoa, the sun's super cool. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> it is, isn't it? You know, I watch people like get you know, that moment where all of a sudden you see them and they're just fully engaged in their movement. They're not thinking about it. all of a sudden they're fully engaged and do something really cool. And I look and I'm like, that was really cool, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I think I did that to you today. Yep. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was really cool, right? <laughs> it,
2: it just, I
0: love, you know, that, that little moment of that personal discovery or that, that piece that you just pulled out that one thing. Yeah. And it just ripples. Yes, it's, exactly. I mean, The tagline for this podcast is Ripples in a Pond. Okay, cool. Literally, because it's, I I can't tell you how many times, uh, season one was three years ago. Mm. So we're recording now season two. I'm so stoked to be back recording it again. And I have gotten emails. I've gotten tweets. I've gotten Facebook messages. I've gotten, you know, every way they could possibly contact me, people have contacted me. And I had one guy on the show who's uh, from the eastern part of the United States. Uh, early in season one. And he's just the most driven, positive guy. So much energy is crazy. His name is Mike Andrus. Mm. I got a uh, email from a guy who he's not a martial artist. His brother used to be a martial artist. His brother was going down a very bad time in life. He was listening to the show because of one of his buddies who knew Mike Andrus. Mm. So he said, hey, Mike's going to be on the show. You should listen to this show. So, the dude who's not a martial artist listens to it, says, hey, brother, you should listen to this show. So, the brother wound up, he was actually a suicidal like mm-hmm. veteran, who uh, ex-military veteran mm-hmm. who was suicidal at the time. Somehow, listening to that show changed something in him. Right. And now, he turned his life back around and is now a productive member of society, wow. got out of a bad marriage, found true love, is in a good marriage, and... Is just in a completely different point of view, and it's like I I get goosebumps. Thing, you know, just reciting that story. I've gotten so many contact emails about it. That's just like the the show has been awesome to share stories. Mm. But when you get something that impacts somebody like that, it's just like I can't not do this anymore. Right. So, I had to come back for season two, and it was just a matter of getting around to making it happen. And,
2: you
3: know,
0: I know when I reached out to you, it was like, oh, we got to figure out the time slot, that kind of stuff. And it just worked out that I was going to be up in town this day. So, it was great.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, But taking that forward, again, I want to say thank you so much for giving me. You've given me over an hour and a half of your time, plus letting me come on the mat today. I I appreciate that so much. I pulled out nuggets out of this class that I'm going to be using for, you know, the rest of my training with the sword, believe me. Oh, cool. Um, I want to say thank you again so much for letting me have you on this show. Our final segment for it is typically what I call the plug your stuff moment. Right. So if people want to get a hold of you, where do they find you? Where's your school at? All that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so we're in Concord, California. You can reach us at ccbmartialarts.com um, and you know, right now what I'm doing is that I'm really just looking for for students that want to explore and grow, you know. so. So I'm kind of being a little bit more selective in, in who I decide to train with and not because of anything like, you know, oh, I, I can be selective. It's just, I really want to focus on people that want to train really good and I want to make sure. So my process is a little different. Like I want to interview you, I want to see what your goals are, why you want to train in martial arts, and then let you come in and then work with the class, see if you're a good fit. And if this is the right place for you, then you're going to be here. If it's not, then that's okay. Like, I don't want anyone to feel pressure or, or feel like they have to, you know, oh, no, I have to sign up and da-da-da. Like, no. I want you to know that this is your this is your place to come train and to learn and grow. And I want to be just that person that is a resource for you in that way. So if that's something that you want to do, please, you know, you could reach out to me. We could talk about it if you want to do it. We have, you know, obviously now we're in this kind of COVID thing, so we do some 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 stuff over online. SWORD's really good to do kind of on. Online, if you want to do some of that as well. Um, but yeah, I'm looking for those kind of students. I really like, since COVID happened, I, you know, obviously it affected all these martial arts studios and and, I, and my heart breaks for all the ones that I know that had to close because they couldn't survive and, and we're hanging in there still. Mm-hmm. And I'm really blessed to, and happy that I do have a, a core group of people. And what that mean? Well, I had to get another job, right? You know, and but I do this because, like what you said, you, you remember and you see that impact that you had on somebody and how it changed their life. And I, and I get, you know, I get the same kind of message. Is, man, you saved my life. You know, mm-hmm. I was really didn't. I said, and, you know, sometimes you don't even know it. Oh, man, when you say that one thing, that totally changed who I was. Mm-hmm. i was like, wow, you know, that. thank you for sharing that with me. Because those are the moments that you say, I just showed up. Mm-hmm. Like, I just showed up. I was just trying to be me and tell you my experience and who I was and what I've been through. And I was just trying to be honest with you. You know and try to try to help point you point wherever you wanted to be pointing i said well did you look at that you know here's from my experience i saw that you know and they and people i think really resonate when you are you seem approachable like that you seem like a human being like wait a minute you're just another guy who did the same thing like just you're just another guy who just like went through this whole process yeah i'm just another guy who went through a process and I'm not any better than you. i just been through a process, mm-hmm. you know. I'm and, just
0: a little further pounded down that path
1: than you are. Exactly. Yeah, you probably have, you know, been through a process way more than I do. You probably teach me something, right? And I really want to cultivate that kind of, you know, understanding with each other. Because I feel the same way. I, I, I love my, my teacher. I respect him dearly. And the greatest gift he, he gave to me is let me see him as a man.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He's just a man who, who did really cool things. And he continues to try to be a better person each day that was a human side of him that you know when you when I first met him first on him I was like oh man was this guy even human you know what I mean why does he keep (laughs) you know he keeps staring at me like every time I talk his eyes never move away from when from me you know it was was like a weirdest thing for it's like you you know what I'm talking about right because he does it right to you right he just looks at you and just fully engaged in the conversation you're like whoa this is interesting you know so but he, he opened up that space and really was, was vulnerable enough to say that I'm a human being. I went through this and I can help you through, through my process if that's what interests you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the approach that I like to take. If you're interested in the process that I'm, that I'm expressing or you want to know more about it, then reach out. And if it really resonates with you, let's go. Just like I said, if, if the guitar resonates with you and you, that mm-hmm. teaches you to go on a path that allows you to explore the artistry of what the world is, man, more power to you. Like, I'll, I can't wait to hear your song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, But if this resonates with you and, and it's something that you want to explore, that's what we're here for as teachers, right? We're here to help, help whoever wants to go down the same path.
0: And which arts do you have available for them if they want to come, right. you know, once they pass the interview process, what's available to them?
1: Yeah, so, so, I, so I teach Seibukan Jiu-Jitsu. That's the main art here. I teach um, Inchini Toribato Jitsu. We teach uh, Seibukan Jiu jitsu because we have a Jiu jitsu art. Mm-hmm. And then we have a Bujikamputo Taijutsu, which is really, which is taught here mostly by my um, really good friend, um, Joel Sheehan, who's been doing um, uh, ninjutsu for many, many years, 30 something, 30 plus, 35 plus years. So he's a really good friend of mine. I let him kind of lead the class and I jump in as much as, as possible, but he really leads that program.
0: Right on. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we've gone through how do people get a hold of you, what you're looking for in a student type thing, my last piece that I like to finish off all of our, all of our segments with here is that message to the world piece. So mm. think out 200, 300 years out, if somebody's listening to the show down the road, what message would you like to send out to the world that they could hear and draw from in the future?
1: I mean, that's, a, it's a great question. I think that what always resonates with me when I always come back to is like, you know, this thing I said a few times today is like, life's happening for you, not to you. And when you realize that, you realize that you're not a victim to what life is happening, it's actually serving you. And when it serves you, you learn to serve it and serve others. So as I, as I realize that life's happening for me, I take a responsibility in that. And I say, okay, well, if it's happening for me, then there's a piece of my responsibility that I have to drive in order to understand what, what is it for me, what's for me, and what's for me to help serve others right and I really try to understand that because I think it's true when you connect with people and you live with them in a human experience and you watch them kind of as things start to unfold in their life them starting to realize that life is happening for them and they can do something with that instead of feeling victimized to it happening to you they really blossom and I think I really I really connect with that it's like let's continue to move forward as human beings as people that are living life and there's no playbook there's no puzzle that needs to be that needs to be solved sometimes even though we our mind gets in there right our mind really wants to solve puzzles but if we if we strip away from the the thinker and get to the observer of life we start to release some of that tension and we realize that things are unfolding the way they need to unfold stop I I have to stop Attaching a certain like good or bad to them and being that dualistic way, I need to let it unfold and I need to let it allow me to grow. So that's what I would say to do.
0: That's beautiful. Again, thank you. You've given me over almost two hours of your time today. (laughs) I'm so appreciative of it. Um, Can't wait to get this show up on the air. Thank you. I appreciate your time. That was episode seven of season two featuring John Rodriguez Hanshi from the Contra Costa Budokan in Contra Costa, California and Cebu Jitsu. Fantastic discussion. He's a truly gifted martial artist, and I had a blast chatting with him about his career and his thoughts about personal growth. We all have to work with someone better than us to grow in our chosen disciplines. I spent an hour on his mat prior to recording this episode and picked up so many tips and tricks that's gonna help my journey and by proxy my students' journeys. So John Hunchy, thank you again for letting me join your class tonight. I had all sorts of fun, and then I got to chat with you for a couple of hours, and now all of our listeners get to hear that episode. Great stuff. Again, season one is still available at all major podcast platforms. We just added five or six new ones here this past week. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating on whatever platform of choice you're listening on. We greatly appreciate the feedback. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, Audible, iHeartRadio, Alexa, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Bullhorn, the podcast app, and of course, our host is Podbean. And you can find us at www.artistofmotion.com. Facebook page is Artist Emotion. Motion. Twitter, and Facebook at AOM Podcast. You can email pod at of if you're interested in appearing or you'd like to recommend us a guest. We're open to anyone of any style or lineage. That's it for this week. I'm Steve
2: Zalazowski. Catch you next time on the Artist of Motion Podcast.